All right, our scripture passage today that I'm going to be, be reading, and I'll have a stand up in a minute. Uh, what's listed in your bulletin, I'm going to kind of truncate that a little bit and shorten it just a little bit. The story that goes with this was some of you know that in December I was in Europe, and I was there for 18 days. I visited 10 different countries, and it wasn't vacation. It was uh, a ministry trip with Christian Endeavor and the, the work that I do. And one of the places that I visited was Hungary, and they had asked me to, to uh, provide a, a lesson, basically, a sermon, the one day, and they had sent the scripture passage in advance, because they had certain verses they were going through for Advent. And so there was a guy from Germany who was traveling with me, and he had a set of verses from Mark 13, and I had a set of verses that were right after that. And... I took a look at these verses, and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. And, and sure enough, an email came from the guy from Germany to the whole group. He's like, hey, uh, I'd like to use a different passage. And they're like, oh, that, that, that's cool. And, and I said, oh, man, I can see why. Because there's some parts of the Bible that you just open up, and you go, what is that? And, and this was one of those passages. But... Uh, since my verses were right after his, I said, hey, you know what, I'll, I'll take his verses and my verses, and I just had a lot of fun studying them. Even though they're confusing when you first hear about them, there is some awesome, awesome stuff underneath. To spare you some of the challenge, I'm going to just read a few parts of this, and then I'll point out some of the confusing stuff and hopefully make it make sense during, during the message But that's why I am going to be teaching from the middle of Mark 13. I will ask you to rise in honor of the Lord and how he reveals himself to us through his word that he has provided. I'm actually going to start in verse 5, and I'm going to read down to verse 8, and then I'll pick up uh, later on in in, uh, these verses. Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming, I am he. He will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. Verse 14. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, we'll get to that a little later, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in the winter, because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning, when God created the world until now, and never to be equaled. Again, if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. 
Now I'm going to skip over to verse 32 and read till verse 37. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We ask that you open your word so that you can grab a hold of our hearts and minds and help us to catch a clear glimpse of you and your glory so that we can live it out to the best of our ability for a world that badly needs to see you. Thanks, God. We love you. Thanks for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Read the signs. Sometimes that can be challenging. I, for one, I know when, just even in the roads around here, you got 222, you've got 422, you've got 322, you've got all these 22s. Why do they do that? You go down to Philadelphia, you take Interstate 76 until it turns into 176, and you can take a right or a left on 476, and somewhere in there there's a 276. It's confusing. The worst, though, is if you drive south to Baltimore, Washington area. That is utterly ridiculous. Who, who in their right mind would have a 95, an I-95, a 295, a 795, and a 695 that no matter which way you go on it, it, it says west. I mean, it's just out of control. And so you're trying to read all these signs and get some direction, and it can be awfully confusing. Well, you see up there on the screen, you see that yield sign that the, the arrows are kind of for us, going in the wrong direction. Well, we think it's wrong. There's parts of the world that would say that, well, this is how they do it. Well. It's a reminder for me of a time when I was in the UK and the guy driving the car was actually Dutch, so he wasn't used to driving on the left side of the road either. And we are literally going around this traffic circle and we're trying to figure out which town to go. We, we knew which town we had to go to, but they stacked so many names of all of these different towns with whether he had to go this way or that way or that, and there's so many of them. It was unbelievable. We literally went around this traffic circle. I don't know how many times, and we couldn't go slow because people are laying on their horn and are behind us and whatever and going around and trying to figure out. We finally pulled off to the side and then ended up, 
he, it was so funny because we pulled off just so that we could get our bearings, and then a few weeks later, he got a traffic ticket because that was a place that you weren't supposed to pull off. But we couldn't even figure out how to read the sign so we could know where to go. Reading signs is not always an easy thing to do. On top of that, sometimes there's signs that are so confusing. I provided a few examples. Number one, entrance only. Do not enter. Thanks for nothing. What are we supposed to do with that? There's other, other signs that just give us you know, great pearls of wisdom. I, I'm just so thankful that that sign was there for, for us, to enlighten us. It's like picking up a jar of peanut butter. It says peanut butter. And then you go over to the ingredients, and it says contains peanuts. It's like awesome revelation. All right, thought you would enjoy this one. What happens if you get scared half to death? Twice. It's pretty interesting. You, uh, you can go to this place, walk in, for free COVID. Underneath you can see vaccine, but you can barely see that. So walk in for your COVID. I like this. Uh, in, uh, in January, I was on a trip to American Samoa, and then back uh, after I did uh, some training and connections there, I led a workshop in Honolulu. I know, suffering for Jesus. But anyway... Um, yeah, led a, led a workshop in Honolulu. And when I landed in the airport, I saw the signs for the men's room. And, and yeah, I know you're sitting there going, the sign for the men's room? You're actually going to put that? I, I had to get a picture of this. It's just awesome. The little dude, look at him. He's got the Hawaiian shirt and little, you know, you know shorts going on. I mean, I was like, that is creative. I love it. So there's signs. There's signs that we have to read. But, but not just signs and traffic or, or pointless places. There's other signs that we see all the time. Here's an example of one, obviously not from around here, from the pine trees, uh, palm trees, but um, in American Samoa on the harbor there, I got this picture. And it's like, wow, what a sign that God gives us at the start of the day. And also similar at the end of the day. You know, we get that that sign of the sun rising and the sun setting. Now, they had to drag my carcass out of bed at 5 a.m. in the morning so that I could see this, but I was able to appreciate it because, because of its beauty. And it's a sign of what's coming every single day. Another sign. Now, I'm sitting there, and I'm, uh, I'm next to this young guy from American Samoa, now I can say he's a young guy, and you all knew he was a young guy. I didn't really have to say he was a young guy because it's clear that he's a lot younger than me. If for no other reason, the thing that is absent from the top of my head that is present on the top of his head, all right? And yeah, yeah, you know, I know he got a little bit of salt and pepper going on in the, uh, in the beer. So there's some signs that I am older than that guy. There's signs all the time. We're reading the signs every day, constantly. And as we look at the scripture passage, that sections of it that I read for us today, there's signs that we read as well. And people go to the Bible to 
try to find the signs. They try to find the signs because we believe that if we read the Bible, we'll somehow know how it all ends. Now, we do know how it ends, right? We know. In the end, Christ wins. We know how it ends up. And yet, what people go to the Bible for are those individual signs. Which day is everything going to come to an end? And so they really do, kind of like the the disciples did in Matthew 24, verses 1 through 3. I actually read the third verse. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So even 2,000 years ago, the the disciples were saying, show us the sign. We want to know what it's going to look like. In the verses that I read for you today, it's, it's wild because uh, you go to that and it says, there will be wars. And of course, we know there's this big war happening in, in Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia, but it's, it's really, it's swept in everybody all over the world. It's impacted everybody. And that's not the only war that's going on. If you've, uh, it's not always in our news, but in uh, Armenia and uh, between the Armenians and the uh, our, our Azerbaijanians, there's, there's huge conflict happening there. And Nigeria is in the midst of potential civil war that could break out with the terrorism and the things that are happening there. So there's these war hotspots that are going on all, all over the place. In addition to that, Scripture says, there will be rumors of war. Wow, gosh, you know, if there were balloons getting shot out of the sky or something like that, maybe there'd be a rumor that there could be, oh, wait, yeah, that did happen. Uh, You know, and I was supposed to travel down to Peru last week, and I didn't because it became a level four do not travel area, and, and that's because of the political challenges that are there. That they literally have riots that are uprising and shutting down airports and shutting down train stations and just, just and it's like, boom, they don't even know it's coming and whoosh, it happens. And so there are these things that are happening all over the place. So we hear that stuff and we go, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then you go a little further and it says, and there will be earthquakes. Wow, you know, I checked out the news yesterday, 46,000 people have died in Turkey and Syria. And uh, I immediately reached out to, to a guy I know from Lebanon that's actually, he's the president of our Christian Endeavor World Board, and he's a pastor there. And I reached out to him, and I'm like, Rafi, you know, like, you know how are you guys doing? And he said that he and his wife woke up at 3.17 in the morning, and their house was literally shaking. And for 45 to 60 seconds, their house just shook back and forth. I had been in Washington State back in the 1990s when there was an earthquake in California, and our room shook for maybe three seconds. It it was just enough that you're like, "What what was that? 
and you see like some of the light fixtures were like swaying like this, you know, and it was pretty scary for three seconds. And I'm like, man, 45 seconds at 3 a.m., just your whole house just going back and forth. And so, yeah, we've got earthquakes and other natural disasters going on, my goodness, out in the Pacific. As of 2011, 12 years ago, there were five islands that have already disappeared from the melting of our, of our ice caps. Now, I'm not going to get into how that's all going on. That's way above my pay grade. You know, I'm not a scientist that can study that and all that. Um, I don't know, know that. But I do know five islands disappeared. And in the last 12 years, there's six additional islands in the Solomon Islands where uh, Christian Endeavor is strong there, so I know people in the Solomon Islands. Uh, they've had six islands that have lost 20% of, of their basic footage. Uh, when I was in American Samoa on their main island, they are putting in a concrete wall that's going to stand about, you know, yay high from the ground to just give them an additional protection of, you know, maybe, maybe five, six feet against what is just rising and what's coming. So these things are going on. It says there will be famines. And, and we take a sigh of relief. We go, oh, good, good. Uh, because we don't have any famines going on. Well, we don't have famines that are going on here. But there are actually 49 million people living in the midst of famine in the world right now. Now, you hear that and you go, okay, well, that's not so bad because we got, what, 8 billion? You know, didn't we just hit the 8 mark? You know, 8 billion people. And so, so there's 8 billion if there's only 49 million living in that. Uh, Percentage-wise, that doesn't seem so bad. 49 million people in 46 countries is the largest number percentage-wise of people living in famine in the history of that even being charted. So we have worse famine today than ever. So now, I bring up all of these things, not to make anyone here go, oh, Dave is saying that this is all ending tomorrow. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there is cause why a lot of people are running, running around going, the end is coming, the end is coming, oh my goodness. But I want to give us calm because as we look at God's word, it doesn't say when there's wars and when there's rumors of wars that we should then all freak out. Now, it says all of these things are going to be going on but that is not mean that it's the end. All this stuff is going to happen before. If you read history, you'll find after World War I, after World War II, after other wars along the way, there were always group of, groups of people that rose up and said, this is it. This is the end. This, this has got to be it. People always think that. The reason why I was asked to to teach on these verses when I was in Hungary is because they are overrun by refugees in Hungary from the Ukraine, and they are on the border seeing this conflict going on. And so for them, they're feeling like, wow, the end must be near. This This could be it. People will be saying this until the Lord actually does come back. 
But what I want us to do in the midst of all these challenges and all this stuff going on in the world, I want us to, I want us to look to three facts, three actual facts that we can take and we can live out. All right? So those three facts are what we're going to do. The first one, the first fact is Christ is coming. Everybody say, Christ is coming. Okay, not bad. Now, when I taught on this in Hungary, I actually, I actually had to confess to the people. I said, you know what? I know Christ is coming. I know it's all over the scriptures that Christ is coming. I, I understand it. I understand it here. It's not really making a difference in my life. It should be, but it's not. I mean, living for Christ makes a difference, but the fact that he could come at any time unexpectedly was not making a difference in my life. And I confessed that to the group, and I said I'm going to try to make a different difference or a change in my, in my life with that. So over the last two months since I've been there, I've been trying each day as I'm praying to just say, come, Lord Jesus. Now, there's a part of us, there's a selfish part of us. Every one of us, uh, I know I see it in me. There's a part that says, oh, man, you know, you know Jesus, our, our first child is going to be getting married on, on May 28th. You know, you know, maybe May 29th. You know, just, hey, any, any date after that is fine. But, you know, we were, this, this is really going to be exciting. See, we do this all the time. And, and the reason we do it is there is a throne, and we are on it. We are on the throne of our life, each one of us, every single day. And it is our responsibility to get ourselves the heck off of that throne, step aside, so Jesus can have his rightful place. If we call out to God and we say, come Lord Jesus and make it now, and we have any hesitancy, that is, that, that is our stuff. Now, I know some of us, we have loved ones that don't, that don't, they don't know Christ. And that's part of the reason why I think God's taking his time. He's taking his time because he wants as many people to come to faith in Christ as can possibly be hap- as can happen. But until that time comes, we have to realize that we are calling out and saying, Christ, would you come? Christ is coming. Fact number one, Christ is coming. Fact number two, we don't know when. That whole thing I read in there about the abomination that causes desolation, I read that as like a tongue twister. I'm like, what is this? And why does this make a difference in my life of February 19th, 2023? What that phrase is talking about is some person in power that's going to set up an idolatrous image of himself or herself in a temple area that's going to totally desecrate it, make it ungodly altogether. And that is going to happen sometime in some way in the midst of when Christ is going to be coming back. So the reason I bring that up is it explains it, and explains it in both Matthew uh, and both Mark and Matthew, because there's a parallel passage to Mark 13, and that's Matthew 23, 24, and 25. And so I'm actually going to read the Matthew, the Matthew one from uh, Matthew 24, verse 36, says, No one knows 
about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So Christ is coming. We don't know when is the second fact. We don't know when. If anybody tells you that they know when, you just have to point them right here and say, you know, listen, buddy, nobody knows when. Well, it says it here in Matthew, and in uh, verse 32 of Mark 13, said this exact same thing. No one knows. When I was in American Samoa, they took me to one part of the island where there were all of these signs in case of tsunami or in case of tidal wave, and then it pointed to where you're supposed to go. And I asked him, I said, you know, I'm noticing these signs are all over the place on this part of the island. Why are they not on the other parts of the island? And they said, this is where a 20 to 25 foot wall of water hit this island and wiped everything out. And so now people know that if there's ever any early warning signs, which they have some of that now, back then they didn't, that they have to get to the high ground. But I sat there just imagining a 20-foot wall of water with no warning. Boom! Whoosh. And that's what hit them. They didn't know when. We don't know when. Before we get in our car to drive home, the Lord could come back. We don't know when. But we know Christ is coming. We don't know when. And the third fact... The third fact is be ready. If you go to all the apocalyptic literature, the prophetic literature, uh, whatever, end times literature that is in the Bible, Ezekiel, Daniel, Revelation, and these passages that we've been going through here in Mark as well as in Matthew, you know, they, they have this end time piece to it. I encourage you, read through. Matthew 23, 24, and 25, if you want to know what the Bible has to say about end time stuff. Because it's summarized in those three facts. Christ is coming. We don't know when. Be ready. So because we happen to live at a decent location for a bridal shower to happen for our daughter-in-law-to-be, I don't know what you call that, you know, I know it's Ben's fiance, but I don't know what they call it for us. But anyway, uh, so we're hosting a, a bridal, a bridal shower. Well, we've lived in our home for about 10 years. And my amazing wife has decided that we have a list about this long that has to get done, you know, from when we found out about this in this like two-month period of time. So yesterday, I hit the ground running at about 7 in the morning, and I, I think my legs are still running. Why? Because we've got to get ready we got to get ready. There's all this stuff to do. And we've all experienced that, right? You get something that's on your calendar. It's coming up. we got to get ready. And you wake up with an urgency. And sometimes you can't get to sleep at night because your pulse is racing because we got to get ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Christ is coming. We don't know when. Matthew talks, that, uh, those verses I talked about, I talked about the, uh, 
uh, the uh, ten virgins, five of them that had oil in their lamp and five that didn't, and five went, went uh, you know, just, uh, you know, running as soon as they heard that the bridegroom was coming. They went running to get ready. He came and said, it's too late. It's too late. They weren't ready. That metaphor that's provided there, it's a metaphor for us. Are we ready for Christ's coming? I'm going to ask the band that they come up because we have a, a closing song. And uh, some of the songs today, they, they pointed to heaven. They pointed to an idea, especially the, the, the last song that was sung, uh, pointed to this idea that Christ is coming. This is part of what we believe as sons and daughters of the king, that the king is coming. He is coming. Christ is coming. We don't know when. Be ready. Make it part of your prayers that we pray for him to come. Make it part of your prayers. I set my alarm for 9.38 every day because Matthew 9.38 says that we're to pray for workers to go into the harvest field. Set your alarm. I met a guy recently that his, his alarm went off at 10.02. I was like, what's that about? Luke 10, verse 2, says the same thing that Matthew 9, 38 says. His goes off at 10.2. Set your alarm. And then finally, be part of that workforce. We are those going into the harvest field. Amen. <laughs>